Good morning. If you're new to Acts Church, um, I, am, I am not the, the teaching pastor. Um, I'm just filling in for one more week. Um, my name is Glenn. I'm one of the elders here. So um, if, you know, hey, if you're like, ah, the preaching's not so good there, come back. Come back. <laughs> I have the honor this morning of bringing to you the Word of God, and that is something I don't, I don't take lightly. And I have the opportunity to do something. I get to follow up what I preached on last week, and I get to not clean things up, but re-emphasize things that are important and to elaborate a little bit more. So this morning, I would like to once again focus on Psalm 23. And I'm going to reiterate some things that I covered last week because they're essential, but I'm also going to take us to look at some things that the Lord's done. And hopefully by the end of it, what I'm hoping for all of us to understand greatly is why God does what he does, the way he does it. I have lived long enough to know that God's ways are a heck of a lot smarter than mine. Anybody with me on that one? Let's pray. Father, bless this time and open your word. And, and Father, that these be not my words, but your words. Um, just help me. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to look at is I to stand up here, and I want to say special thanks to a few people. Uh, and, I, and I can't you know, say thank you to everybody, but the reason why I bring these people up is because I would be... I would not be completely honest to say if the Lord's done anything good in my life that it came just because of me. I've had people influence me and most of all, the Lord himself. And the people that have really shown me Jesus more, if I were to think at the top of the list, um, I mentioned A.W. Tozer last week, The Attributes of God, is two-volume set. Folks, I'm going to read it. Um, John Michael Talbot, the musician, if any of you have ever listened to him, he's the most prolific Christian musician in the last 50 years. Michael Card, who I learned a lot of scripture through his music. Dr. David, who has patiently met with me almost weekly for 10 years. Pastor David, who has help me understand the faith more. Ancient Dave. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, which we mention a lot. My wife. And most importantly, the Lord. Because if anything is, and I firmly believe this, I'm not saying this because I'm supposed to say it, but I firmly believe that if any good ever comes from my life, it is solely because of Jesus. I now understand what Paul meant was, if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Because even the very gift to stand up here and talk has been given to me. So let's begin. I want to start with a quote by A.W. Tozer again that I showed last week. And I want to comment on this. And then I'm going to review some things. And then I want to get to the heart and close with what I want to say about Psalm 23. But A.W. Tozer said this, the church will come out of her doldrums. And again, he said this in the 50s and 60s. When we find out that salvation is not a light bulb only, that it's not an insurance policy against hell only, but as the gateway into God, and that God is all that we would have and can desire. Let's unpack that just for a second. When I was first saved, I was presented the gospel like, if you accept Jesus, you won't go to hell. Does anybody with me on that one? I have lived long enough to learn this. That is secondary in salvation. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want to go there. 
But you know what's first and primary in salvation? It's not what I don't get. It's who I do get. It's God. The source of all life and goodness and love. I won't go to that place because I have a relationship with the living Lord. It's who I get. I get Him. And the more that we understand who He is, how could we not be excited? I used to be so excited about Apple computers. Now, to the joy of my wife, eh, Jesus is better. <laughs> you think? Yeah. So let's, let's take a look at this. And let's begin with Psalm 23. And I want to put a picture up here that I did not place up last week. Picture of sheep. Now, I know something about sheep because when I was in high school, I told you last year, I got my first lamb because I thought I was in love with a girl and then she dumped me at the Clark County Fair and I ended up with the lamb. Um, and I ended up with nine sheep my uh, senior year at Evergreen High School when they had vocational agriculture. And then I worked at the Portland Stockyards. I, I worked around sheep. And if you notice a couple of things, and sheep come in wide varieties. And I've also been in Scotland and seen a shepherd with a whistle and a dog control 500 sheep. That's impressive. You're like, whoa. If I could only do that with kids in the classroom. <laughs> All right. There's a sheep, very beautiful face. And then over here, you have some sheared sheep. They're like, what happened to us? If you notice something about sheep, the Bible refers to us a lot and uses that imagery. If you know anything about sheep, um, I, you know, I went to Yellowstone and one of the things that they say in Yellowstone is buy bear spray. Never been to a place that says buy sheep spray. <laughs> they really are relatively, can we just be honest, defenseless. Now, you may think that that is not good. I have lived long enough to know this. I am so glad for the things I cannot do because I rely on him who can do what I cannot do. And I have the joy of discovering him. I would never want to be self-sufficient. That's just lonely. I'm very comfortable being compared to a sheep. Because a sheep needs a shepherd. And let's be very clear. We need a shepherd. All of us. The other thing about salvation that is so beautiful is in the process of us discovering God, He begins to change us. From creatures of fear. And would we all agree that we suffer a lot with anxiety, depression, fear? And I mean, I mentioned last week, I worry sometimes about worry. Can we all be agreement on that? We, we, we really are, because we control very little. I mean, my daughter and I were driving in Yellowstone and a deer jumped out in front of us two seconds further on the road and we would have hit that going 45 and smashed up the car and I'm not sure if I would be here. And that deer just jumped out of the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was kind of cool. It was like slow motion. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it reminded me on the road going, I didn't see that coming. I'm so thankful my daughter's not as fast as I am to get ready for the car. I control very little. I lost my keys again this week. It's hilarious. <laughs> and so let's recap 
if you would, and you don't have to, but if you would close your eyes, I want to read Psalm 23 and then I want to go, go further. Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overruns. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Charles Spurgeon said that's on the tombs of many believers, but not always on their lives. My hope and prayer is that we will all proceed forward wherever we are in life chronologically to make this true in our lives. And realize we won't do it perfectly, but as we grow and trust in Him, we will change. Salvation, yes, I will not go to hell. And, and make no mistake, hell's not a comfortable thing, but we must understand, if people are unwilling to be with God, then they have chosen not to be with Him. Let, let's be clear. We all complain about this world sometimes, right? The crime. Non-believers complain like believers. The crime and everything. But if God stepped in and put that to end, it would be His way. His rules. You see, we can't want on one hand His rules and then on the other hand say, we don't like the consequences when you're not here. God desires no one perish. But God will not allow evil into his kingdom. Now the good news is, how much does Jesus forgive? All of it. And not only that, I am a forgiven man. But I'm also a man where the Lord is changing and transforming me. Like he's doing to you. And apparently he's not done with us because we're still here. So salvation is, yes, not going to that place. And yes, it's to be transformed and the joy of that, but it's to get him. Now, I want to stress this. And I mentioned last week the attributes of the Lord, that God is infinite. And infinite is very important that we understand. You cannot measure God. We, we've got to understand, you cannot measure God. He's infinite. C.S. Lewis said, take a sheet of paper, extend it in all directions for eternity, and you'll get the idea. Put a one-inch line, and that will be all of time recorded history on that piece of paper. We must not have a puny God. He is far. I, I can't, where does language go? He's infinite, and he has attributes. And like I mentioned last week with pizza, we got to take one slice at a time. I'm not going to cover all the attributes. That would take, that's a long discussion. And the other thing, too, I want to say this. People say, you know, I'm going to mention that God is a trinity, and a lot of people say, well, how can you, that? that's confusing. You've got to simplify that. Folks, if I have a God that this brain can completely understand, I have the wrong conception of God. Because at some point, if I don't fall on my knees and say, you are too wonderful me for me, I haven't even thought about you yet. Can I get an amen? amen. He's all-knowing. He's all powerful. Do you know, God's never frustrated. His will is never gone against. You say, well, wait a minute, people reject him. He gave them free will. But he's not up there going, what am I going to do now? There's no one more powerful than him. 
He's got no one to be afraid of. In fact, you read scriptures, what you find, Satan can't even appear in front of God unless God allows it. The book of Job. He will never be surprised. He is infinite. Full of grace and mercy and goodness. And he will not change. That's an important one. But he is also this. He is a trinity. And I, when I was first saved, I tried to use the egg analogy. You know what I mean? Forget it. I don't understand it completely. He's three in one. I will leave it at that and marvel at this. But I will tell you one thing it does answer. It does answer the question why God is love. Because he's in relationship and in love with himself. No other philosophy or religion can give a sufficient definition why love exists. Next, what I'm going to say is, is bear with me because I've taught this a few times and I always have someone come up, well, how can that be? And what we must not do here is confuse the creator with the creature. Are we all clear on that? God is for himself. He is the greatest in period. If he wasn't, then he would be for someone else and that person would be God. So, you know what? If I walked up in front of you, and this is not, I'm not being serious here. I am the greatest. You would look at me and go, you need to get out more. <laughs> Either you're an arrogant liar or you're delusional, right? Of course I cannot say that. I am a creature, finite. But can the creator say, I am the greatest? You see the difference? God is the greatest treasure there is. I almost said in all the universe, but I would mistake. He made the universe. It's not in the universe. He made it. And you may think, okay, I'm talking to teenagers right now. You live in the age of science, like the universe is expanding. And you think, well, why, why did God make all that empty space? I think he made it for, one ver for a lot of reasons, but I think one reason he made it is so that arrogant 21st century man would not conflate that he's a small God. Because if he made that big universe, he must be bigger than that. Now that's a God worth worshiping. Amen? God delights in himself. He is a joyful God. It doesn't mean he doesn't have the other range of emotions, but he is joyful. Why do you think there's so much singing in the book of Revelation? And you study that book, yes, there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but how many songs are being sung? God is the greatest. And then he made human beings. And what did he do? He made them in the image and likeness of himself. They are not him. But they have something of the creator stamped on them. I cannot explain it completely. I'm going to noodle that one for eternity. But he gave the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve, the U.S.C.S. Lewis's language, made in the image and likeness of him. Now, folks, you can think on that for eternity and realize that you are valuable because he is valuable. If you agree that God is the greatest, then you've got to agree that there's something really darn special about people. And your greatness does not rest on what you can do 
or how well you can sing or how good you look or how much you possess or whether you have arms or legs. It rests on that you are made in the image and likeness of God. Period. Therefore, think about this. What are the two great commandments of Scripture? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as your... Why is the second one with the first? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. You cannot love God and hate your neighbor. Why? How can you hate that which bears his image and likeness? Do you see it? Ooh, right here. Guilt. <coughs> you, you could just see it. I spent the vast majority of my life being so hard on myself and then finally I had to wake up one day and say, Glenn, you're made in the image of likeness of two. Knock it off. Confess your sins and move on. I am not valuable because of this beautiful face. Was that my sister-in-law that said, no, yeah, it's over here. Aaron's, Aaron's like going out there, preach it, preach it. <laughs> Folks, can I, can I just, can I illustrate something real quick? If we would just treat each other that we're made in the gym likeness of God, how fast would, would, would the gospel go? Now I want to talk about Jesus, my favorite subject. Let's look at a few passages about Jesus. Let's look at the first one, John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Notice sheep there, Psalm 23, you see it? The Lord is my shepherd. What does Jesus call himself? The good what? Uh-huh. All who came before me, all who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. You don't want to know one thing that you know you're a child of God. Do you hear the Lord say, I am the Lord? That means you hear his voice. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. And he will go out and find what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green. Do you think David wrote that wonderful psalm? He didn't even know the name of Jesus yet, for Jesus will be born 900 years, but the Lord is saying, I am the shepherd. And by the way, if you don't think Christianity is true, just take me on this. Ask Pastor David, call him, look at the skeptics for him, and realize this. As C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is a thinking person's religion. Go ahead and attack the Bible all you want. It stands. And by the way, I'm also a historian. Isn't it ironic that year zero is year zero? Hmm, Jesus being born in Israel in the backwoods of the Roman Empire, yet the entire world since then has marked their calendars by year zero. I mean, you can change it from B.C. to, you know, B.C.E. before Common Era, like they've done to try to get rid of B.C. and A.D. But the truth of the matter is, year zero is still year zero. Why is year zero there? Because of Jesus. I thought we couldn't mention his name. <laughs> Can't get away from it. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, that would be Satan. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more what? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd who became the Lamb of God. He is the door. You cannot find life unless you go through him. Now, 
I want to just stress one thing. You ready? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Let's just think about what Jesus is saying. Because there's a lot of things out there that say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. You can't do that. You know what he just said? You're not going to be saved and go to heaven unless you come by me. Now, the only way for someone to say that and for it not to be a lunatic or a liar is he must be Lord, as C.S. Lewis said. Do you understand? If I walked up to you and said, I am the door and the way, you would look at me and like, we're out of here. I expect more. Does that make sense? Yet, look at what he just said. I'm it. And yet, does he sound crazy? In fact, he says, I am the way. Oh, by the way, I will lay my life down at the cross. He followed what he preached. All the way to Golgotha. Oh, and by the way, if you don't know this, he rose from the dead. He is the door to go in and find pasture to a life of shalom and peace. I'm going to talk about that. He gives his life. Next verse, Luke 14. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wait a minute, I thought he said, love your neighbor as yourself, and now he's saying, it don't. hey, do you understand your love for Jesus needs to be so strong that any other human relationship would be hatred by comparison? It's a spectrum. Does that make sense? I love coffee. I love Starbucks. I love Starbucks so much, I hate coffee. You see it? It's a comparison. Isn't that a really profound thing for someone to say? And look at the relationships. Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Those aren't like, I don't like my enemy. This is, I don't like my, I, I, I am to love Jesus so much that those basic fundamental relationships of life are so secondary. Does that make sense? John 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. If you remember the story, this is John 4, the Samaritan woman who was divorced how many times? Five. Wait a minute. Water that I never have to draw from a well again? Ladies and gentlemen, let me show, I'm going to capstone this on the next one. Let's go to the next one. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Wow, lie down in green pastures. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Folks, do you want to know why Jesus can satisfy and bring abundant life? Let me be very, very clear. The kingdom of heaven will be paved with gold. So why are you messing around with all of this asphalt around Get all the riches you want. Take them up to heaven. They're just going to look at you and go, that's just pavement. Things can't save you. They can't make you content either. I think Americans would know that. You see, you ready? If your faith is not in the infinite Lord, then it's in finite people, either yourself or others. And you know at the bottom of your heart, they're going to let you down. So you'll sit there and stew. What if that boss doesn't like me? What if they do? What if this? What if my kid? What if? And you're going to worry about, worry about where are my cars going to break? And then you realize, of course, because those things break and they're finite. But when your faith is in the infinite God, you realize he's got you in his hands. 
There's no one more powerful. There's no one that knows everything. He's got you and he loves you and he loves you so much. He died for you and then put, and put his image and likeness on you. You walk around in that kind of life. Life's good. What if I die? Well, of course you're going to die. Then what? You pass through not death, but a shadow. <laughs> Only the infinite can secure the finite. What if an asteroid hits Earth? Have you guys ever looked around at the world and you guys ever seen how many disasters will destroy Earth? Have you guys ever noticed that? Every time we turn around, it's a new crisis. Eh, I just go to bed. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what are you doing? I'm going to sleep. Well, there's a storm going on all over. Yeah, Jesus has got it. I'm going to sleep. Now, folks, I am learning to walk in this way. I have not always been here. Because I worried about, worried about, worried about, worried. But Jesus is sufficient. And you know what? Look at the yoke. This is great. Yoke. Two cows yoked together. The Lord's going to go through life with you. You weren't meant to do this by yourself. Who do you think you are? John Wayne? He didn't do it by himself either. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Now, will God force you to be his? No. But why would you not want to be? He's given you everything you have anyway. In Christ, his life and power. Now, I want to talk to you and shift to the end part of my sermon. And I want to talk to you about the process of making Psalm 23 the psalm of our lives. Now, I'm a school teacher, or try to be. Teachers have learning targets, and then they have methods. The learning target for every believer is the same. To create a creature that is in complete love and trust of the Creator. Because only then will you lie down in green pastures. And by the way, can we just be very clear? To trust the Lord also means to obey Him because you trust Him. Right? Amen. You mean, Lord, that's not good for me? No. Okay. You know better. To trust Him. Not to know things about him, but to trust him. There's a level of intimacy that is there. Does that make sense? Lord, that didn't work out the way I wanted to. But you know what? I don't know the end from the beginning, Lord. I trust you. But Lord, I would do so much better with that job. I don't know the end from the beginning. I what? I trust you. The Lord chooses many different methods, but there are two methods I want to talk about today that he chooses to grow us. And by the way, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that the more we fall in love with Jesus and we, we realize that he is the infinite, that the Trinity is there, the more we trust in him, the more we have that abundant life because worry, anxiety, depression, and addiction begins to come off of us. How many people in our society, spend millions of dollars just to get a good night's sleep when you can have it tonight for free. And I'm not talking about buying a new mattress. It's just laying your head down going, it's okay. The two methods that God uses. First, trials. 
James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 is very clear. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is there to produce endurance. And let faith have its work so that in the end you may lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not lack. Consider it pure joys, my brothers, when you face various trials. Because in the end, you will lack what? I don't know. Is there a connection? Now, let's stop for a second. Trials. Why? I am convinced of this. That if I was self-sufficient... I would not recognize my need. Maybe that's why a rich person has a hard time entering the kingdom of God. Trials are the Lord's school and curriculum. And I want to say this, ready? A good teacher knows their curriculum. Do you think Jesus might know the curriculum of the kingdom? He is the kingdom. Okay, we're we're good there. And a good teacher will know their students. Well, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows Jim lost a hair this week. (laughs) He knows how many hairs you have on the top of your head. I do not understand how my wife can lose so much hair and she has more hair than me today. I don't understand that, but he knows. He knows. He knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, he knows you so well, he knows what time you're getting up tomorrow. He knows you. He knows the curriculum. He knows his students. And he loves them. And you know what a good teacher does? Something that I don't do very well because I have too many kiddos in the classroom. He differentiates. All the teachers in the room, I know, I just said a really bad word. But he differentiates. That is, he designs the curriculum for each specific student and lamb so that they can grow because they have their own characteristics and personalities and history. Which means what comes your way. If you trust in the infinite, all things work together for good for those who love Christ Jesus. That means nothing is allowed in our lives that he does not allow To train us. To teach us. Why trials? Do we not know that this life is short? That even trials will not last. But if they bring us to trust him more. Thank God for the trials. I am so thankful. The last four years have been horrible to some degree. Because I would not have gotten on my knees. I am so thankful. And please don't clap for me. You clap for him because the Lord's... He will design the curriculum. Bad things are going to happen. We live in a fallen world. But God uses all things for redemption. Which means we're all in a school that the Lord has differentiate the lesson plans for you individually. The learning target is that you trust Him and that you learn to rest in Him. That you know this world is in His hands and therefore you can go out and say, would you like to join the lessons that I've been a part of because the Lord is good and the other people of this world will look around and go, Okay. The other thing that God does is called the hiddenness of God. And David preached a beautiful sermon on this many years ago. It's on the website somewhere. The hiddenness of God. And I've been around long enough and I said the thing, Lord, what's your will? Can't you just drop a PowerPoint? Seriously. (laughs) Can't you just send an angel right now to thump me upside the head? Can can you give me the five-year plan? Seriously, right? Why, God, do you hide? Thank God he does. 
as a teacher, I can tell you this. Must be important. I'm stepping out of the podium. <laughs> Deep learning only occurs through a process. To give the answer and not have to seek it, you will not learn it nor appreciate it. If God was visible to us all day long, we would never learn faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing that what he said is true despite what these eyes see. There's a level of depthness that goes down into the soul that says, I am on the rock and shall not be moved. We must go through the process that God has done through the hiddenness of God. So when God seems absent, that is your invitation to press in. It also reveals to us how far in the transformation we've gone. This is why he, this is one reason why he does it. Now, will God give glimpses sometimes? Will he? Yes, he will. And there's signs of encouragement. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. As you do your journey, when you get those glimpses and everything, write them down in your Bible so you have a historical record. He will give those glimpses. But his primary is to teach you to walk by faith so that you press in through a process. Does that make sense? I trust you. Despite everything, I trust what? You. Next verse, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith. Oops. I think I went ahead. Can we do this? Can we go up to Hebrews 11.1? 1? My bad. Ha <laughs> ha. Let's go there first. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I have faith. I will not see it with these eyes. Now I am firmly convinced of all the senses we have, we rely on our eyes the most. Can they deceive us? As you walk in Psalm 23 and you face trials and God will play hide and seek. By the way, hide and seek, is that a fun game for kids? What makes it so much fun? And the seeking. God loves to play hide and seek. It's a fun game. And by the way, he loves to be found. But we grow closer to him through the process of seeking. You want a deep relationship with God? Play hide and seek. It's fun. Let's go to the next verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet our inward man is being what? The older I get, the younger I become. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become like a child. A child just believes and trusts. Never seen a five-year-old worry about dinner. Mom and dad have that. For our light affliction, light affliction, 
Uh, Paul's going to be beheaded by the Roman Empire. John's going to be boiled in in oil. Peter's going to be crucified, most likely upside down. Christians are going to go to the lion's den and be persecuted for their face and draw blood. But Paul, Paul says here, light affliction. Well, now that seems pretty intense to me. Well, if you only compared it with the spectrum of time, but if you put the proper spectrum in, it becomes what it is. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Brothers and sisters, everything I see right now is temporary. The chairs, the building, your earthen bodies. What I don't see about you, your spirit, well, that's eternal. In fact, the only things, the most magnificent things in this earth are all unseen by our eyes. Love. Affection. We can see the effects of these, but not them. Because God wants us to develop eyes of faith. And the final verse before I wrap up, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Abide now, faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith brings hope. But ladies and gentlemen, of the three, two are temporary. Only one is eternal. And that is love. To love the Lord Jesus with everything as your shepherd, faith and hope will lead you to love. To know that despite of your changing moods, it's okay. To know that if the Lord needs to course correct you, it's okay. His rod and his staff, they what? I am so thankful for the things God has said give up because I've realized those things giving up have given me so much more. Does that make sense? I need someone to guide my life. You know what a beautiful word in our, it used to be in our language used to be no? We don't do that anymore to kids. But no is a very beautiful word. Can I have that? No. Why? No. Or, not to now. Someday, but not to now. When you're ready. He will guide us. And so my final comments with Psalm 23. And you know, you say, well, you didn't really teach on Psalm 23. I talked a lot about the good shepherd. He's the heart of Psalm 23. To those who don't know the Lord as Savior, you're on the fence or, or this or that, what I would say to you is this. God exists. The evidence is there. You cannot save yourself. Your spouse cannot save you. Your friend cannot save you. Only the infinite God who has all power can save you. And if you were to look at human history and you were to ask yourself, who has changed history more than any other, you will find it's Jesus of Nazareth. And what you will find is, he never, let, he never wrote a book. He never became wealthy. He never led an army. And yet he changed the world. He changed the world so much 
that when the children came to him, see the Roman Empire thought children were a waste of time. They weren't human. Children didn't matter. But when the children came to him, he says, let the children come for theirs is the kingdom of God. And when Mary sat at his feet and Martha's doing the dishes, Jesus said, let Mary sit because women can learn from God just as well as men. He changed the world. We stand here with all thoughts of equality because of his life. For those that don't know him, please, in the name of all that's right and true, bend your knee and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You need him. We are all sinners that need a savior, a transformer, and our Lord. For those of us that are believers, that you sort of have gotten off or in a rut, get Tozer's book, go to the Psalms, meditate on who God is, think infinite, fall in love with him. You say, well, how do I work that up? And I'm going to say this in closing. If I were to have given this sermon four years ago, it would have been theory. No, I would have said the right things, but it would have been theory. I cannot explain to you, I can't diagram to you what the Lord's done for me. I can't. I can't. All I can tell you is he has done it. And I know this, he will do it to us all. He loves us. He doesn't want us to walk around in life in fear and worry. He wants us to walk around knowing that today is the day of salvation and we're living eternal life now. And by the way, he takes great joy when we just trust him. He would also say this, this, the church was never designed around superstars or anybody like that. We are all privileged people. For we will know the creator through his love, mercy, and tenderness. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who went into a field and found a treasure buried. He sold all he had and bought the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a great pearl of great price. He sells all he has to possess the pearl. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart that you will find that the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ. Let's pray.